You're listening to Seed of the Woman, a podcast dedicated to telling the grandest story of all and to exposing the mystery of 666. Hello everyone, Randall Gilmore here. For several episodes now, I've been sharing details from Revelation chapters 12 and 13 about the dragon, the beast out of the sea, and beast out of the earth. And though I've mentioned 666 numerous times, both in this season and in season one, there's so much more to uncover about the beliefs, values, and practices that 666 represents. So in this episode, I want to begin answering the question of why 666 and the political, economic, and religious system of the beast will be so attractive to so many people worldwide. And I urge you to listen all the way to the end, because what I'll share is key to unlocking significant elements of the plot of the even grander story of the seed of the woman. I can't stress enough that knowing the overarching story of the seed of the woman opens windows of insight into so many biblical texts, even if those texts have little to do with end times or the mystery of 666. And that's why at the Gospel Story Arc Project, one of my goals is to provide training on using the overarching story of Scripture not only to better tell who Jesus is, but also to foster discovery and insight into every part of His story. Now, presently, we offer two free online courses— And the first is Gospel Story Arc Evangelism, which will familiarize you with the messaging about Jesus that we lead with as we share with others. And it also serves as an introduction to story, and to story structure found throughout the scriptures. The second course is called Story-Based Instruction. And this course offers a step-by-step approach to using story to engage others in deep gospel conversations. Now, both courses are free due to the generosity of listeners like you, paying it forward to make this ministry possible. And both can be found on our website at gospelstoryarc.org. That's gospelstoryarc.org. And remember, it's your story too. I'll take a quick break and return in just a moment with more on what's going to draw so many people worldwide to the political, economic, and religious system of the beast. The Bible's epic account of the seed of the woman describes a return at the end to utopian conditions on earth, similar to ones enjoyed by Adam and Eve in the garden at the beginning. There are some differences between the beginning and the end, but make no mistake, the end will feature a consummate golden age, a utopia tied to the bodily, physical return of Jesus Christ to the earth and to the renewing power of God's Spirit everywhere present. With this in mind, I want to return to one particular detail of what we've uncovered so far in Revelation chapters 12 and 13 about the beasts out of the sea and out of the earth and their attempts to rule the world. 
The story of the beast reveals the role that spiritual power plays in their offer to the world of a utopia, featuring worship of themselves and of the dragon, rather than Jesus Christ, the true Lord of all. Both beasts tap into power as they lead the world astray, and not just political power tied to their positions as world leaders, but power instead belonging to the rival spirit world. It's the kind of spiritual power that the dragon gives to the beast out of the sea near the beginning of Revelation 13. And as for the beast out of the earth, well, according to verse 13 in the same chapter, he performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. By these signs, according to verse 14, he deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And he's allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Now, obviously, none of these things are matters of mere physical prowess, but of power, spiritual power tied to the rival spirit world led by Satan himself. The reality of the spirit world in general and its interactions with the material world takes us back to the beginning of the story of the seed of the woman, when God first created the heavens and the earth. Before God famously said, let there be light, separating day from night on day one, something else happened that changed the dynamic of the material world and that continues to make an impact even now. Genesis 1 verse 2 tells us, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So, right from the start, spiritual power entered the material world and began interacting with it by means of the Spirit of God. And there's more, because when God made the first human beings, He breathed into them the breath of life, and they became living souls. That's a characterization when combined with humans also being made in God's image that points beyond the physical to a spiritual existence and to the ability of humans to connect with spiritual power. Now, in addition to God's spirit, a rival spirit came into the world to stir up rebellion against God, none other than the one Revelation 12 identifies as the dragon, that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan. The fact that Satan animated a serpent to tempt Adam and Eve is one more example of spiritual power deeply involved in the material world. Serpents were not created with the ability to speak or interact as a peer with human beings. Adam would have known this from his earlier experience observing and naming the animals that God brought before him prior to God's taking a rib from Adam's side to make a wife for him. And so Satan, a spirit being, entered the material world and began interacting with it by means of a serpent. Meanwhile, nowhere in Adam and Eve's encounter with Satan do they express surprise that a serpent is speaking to them. It's a part of the story that points to how normal it is for human beings to become intrigued by displays of spiritual power and even attracted to them. But there's something else, something that's very much a part of the mystery of 666. And that's that after the fall and the dramatic change in living conditions on earth because of the curses God announced, human beings became even more attracted to spiritual power. 
as a possible resource to overcome pain and suffering and the sentence of death. Now, the availability of spiritual power in the world, not from God, but from Satan and other fallen angels on his side, combined with this desperation to overcome suffering and death, leading people who rejected God's plan for restoration through the seed of the woman to pursue alternative ways of coping with life in a fallen world, or better yet, to making a utopia of their own. And as I explained in season one, these were the motives behind Nimrod and his followers building the city of Babel and its tower. They wanted to make a name for themselves, that is, a Shem for themselves. The word Shem standing for their alternative to God's plan for restoration through the seed of the woman, who was to come to the world someday through the family line of the Shem God had in mind, that is, Noah's oldest son. And so, making a Shem for themselves meant they were crafting their own solution to catastrophes like the flood, as well as to any other problem associated with living in a fallen, cursed realm. Now, this same dynamic explains why so many people at the end of the age become so willing to collaborate with the political, economic, and religious system of the beast. Because of their rebellion against God and their attraction to spiritual power, even if it does come from Satan, unbelievers at the end of the age will rush headlong for a Babel-like plan to overcome suffering and death, poverty and inequality, overpopulation and threats to the climate, natural disasters and pandemics, and any other obstacle to prosperity and world peace. Now, of course, everyone recognizes the relevance of the problems I just listed to what's happening in the world today. But what everyone doesn't see is how closely today's utopian values and solutions track with the mindset of people from long ago, really from every age, as they seek to make a Shem for themselves. And as for 666, well, you should know that the number of 666 appears outside of Revelation 13 only one other time in Scripture, and not just innocently, but in association with an earlier failed attempt to build a political, economic, and religious empire. And I'm not talking about Babel, but about an attempt that actually started out by honoring God before turning to become a godless pursuit of a utopia led by a man given over to Satan's influence. You're going to be shocked, but I'm talking about King Solomon. Solomon began well, but by the end of his reign, he turned away from God and did what was evil in God's sight. Solomon even, quote, built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites. And so he did for all his foreign wives, who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. Now, as Solomon's story is told in the early chapters of the book of 1 Kings, 666 seems to mark the turning point in his life. And here's how. It happens after the Queen of Sheba's visit to Solomon and her telling of how impressed she was with Solomon's wisdom and prosperity, and even with Solomon's devotion to the Lord. But then the queen returns to Sheba, and that's where things seem to make a turn, because what follows in 1 Kings chapter 10 is a long, impressive accounting of Solomon's wisdom and wealth. But it's bracketed in a way that signals something is wrong. Near the end, for example, we're told that Solomon collected chariots and horsemen 
into the thousands, something God specifically disallowed when he gave instructions in Deuteronomy 17 about what kings of Israel should and shouldn't do when they come into power. And on the other side of this accounting of Solomon's wisdom and wealth, at the beginning of it, we're told this, quote, Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents. So there it is, 666 representing the number of talents of gold that Solomon received in one year. To be fair, some call this mention of 666 nothing more than a coincidence. But it seems far more intentional to me, because the accounting of Solomon's gold doesn't stop with 666 talents. It says there were 666 talents of gold, besides that which came from the explorers and from the business of the merchants, and from all the kings of the West, and from the governors of the land. This would be like someone saying, I have $666 in my wallet, besides two other $100 bills, $150, 320s, 610s, 45s, and 81s. No one would say something like that, unless they wanted the number 666 to stand out. And stand out it does, as a number, even in Solomon's day, that represented the humanistic and religious values of a utopia tied to the power of Satan and the spirit world he rules. So it's no surprise in our day, as we approach the end of the age, we're hearing world leaders at every turn proposing humanistic, Christless solutions, Jesusless solutions, to global problems of suffering and death, poverty and inequality, overpopulation, threats to prosperity and world peace, and to the climate, natural disasters, and pandemics. Problems all obviously tied to our world's existence under the curses of Genesis 3. And going back to Solomon, let this sink in. Solomon prospered greatly when the Lord blessed him at the outset of his reign. But he seemed to prosper even more when he turned to the spiritual power associated with the paganism of his day, embracing values and practices symbolized by the number 666. And so, Solomon found plenty of people, able and willing, to enter into his utopian political, economic, and religious empire, which is exactly the type of reception that the beast out of the sea can expect from people in the end, as he rises to power. Leading us back to one of the central questions left over from last episode. What steps is the world taking now to make itself ready for the beast? And who exactly might already be aligning themselves now with Satan and with the spiritual power he offers? More next time on Seed of the Woman.